Hello, good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of Bet Bears Wade in Podcast. Coming to you at we're recording around midday on Monday morning after what was quite a frenetic weekend of action on the racing front. And we have plenty of news stories to talk about too. But before we go any further and get into the usual part of the show, we must send our best to jockey Graham Lee and his family following the fall he suffered on Friday at Newcastle. Uh, The latest update from the IJF was certainly not as positive as many would have liked. And all we can say at this time is that our thoughts are very much with him and his family um, obviously, look, it kind of goes without saying, but it's a stark and pretty horrendous reminder of something I guess we all take for granted. About 98% of the time is that we work in an incredibly dangerous sport. And, you know, we get frustrated with rides and outcomes and how races unfolded and how your bet was a losing one. But at the end of the day, it might sound like a cliche, but it is so true that, you know, you just want everyone to come home safe. And so, You might have had a losing punting day, but it's a winning day on a wider scale if you have your health. And so our very best wishes to Graham and his family, and we will await further updates. Sorry to start the show on a bit of a downer note, Brendan, but it's an important message to get across, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, no. I would be one of those people who who does take it for, for granted because it's mercifully rare these uh, very serious injuries on the track. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough game. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. And TC, other than that pretty low news point on Friday that happened, how was your week otherwise? Yeah, pretty uneventful. Um, just the Graham Lee news reminded me of um, the similar incident Ryan Moore had in 2015 at Newmarket where... He was off for a couple of months after, uh, as you know, injuring himself in the stalls, and um, you know he could have been far, far worse than him than than two month layoff. So yeah, I underlined everything you said at the top of the show. It's uh, in the in the in the wider scheme of things, it's pretty much an irrelevance what we talk about, isn't it? When you when you get news coming through about Graham Lee like that, but um, hopefully there's more positive updates to come. Yeah, with a bit of luck. Um, Kev, all all right at your end before we get stuck into the main bit of the show? Yeah, all good. All good. Ready to go, Vanessa? All right. Well, let's start then, shall we, with some of the top notches we got to see out this week. Um, Not just at the weekend, but middle of the week too with the good meeting at Clonmel. We'll get to that in due course. But Kev, let's start with Jerry Colomb winning, getting up in the Down Royal Champion Chase. Um, in running, Jerry Colomb hit a high of 50, Envoy Allen hit a low of 1.10 and conflated a low of 1.36. Um, topsy-turvy result, but the right horse won in the end. What did you make of the performance? It was a brilliant race, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, in fairness. Like, um, you know, four runners, two trainers. Um, you always want more, but in fairness, this did deliver um, like, a, like a really riveting contest, I thought, from start to finish. Lots going on. Um, lots of really interesting things going on tactically. Um, look, Jerry was the, the progressive, the young horse, the one that I suppose the neutrals would hope would come in and put a stamp in this race over, you know, well-established open grade one class opposition and uh, justify his position as the, the general second foul for the Gold Cup. Uh, and he won. Uh, it was pretty desperate now. He certainly looked beat a, a couple of different times, um, but he pulled it out from the fire. And 
Like he is, I'd say it's fair enough to characterize him as like an old fashioned staying chaser in that stamina really is his thing. Um, and he looked at the times last year, you know, he got, he hit a bit of a flat spot in the city aisles, came back and won with authority and got quite outpaced in the Brown advisory, didn't quite get up that day. Um, and you just know that the more emphasis that is put on stamina, um, the more we'll see from Jerry Colomb. Um, jumping was a little bit. Not quite what we've come to expect from him. Made made one notable mistake. Um, like his stablemate was probably his bit the biggest obstacle to him. Conflated, who you know wouldn't be a regular front runner. I didn't think he was enjoying making the run, and his ears were pricked throughout. It was jumping out to his left and impeding Jerry Colomb on more than a couple of occasions. Um, I thought he actually ran really well. Conflated, considering that. But Jerry Colomb is the focus, rightly so. Um, he got the better of Envoy Allen, who isn't easy to predict, but he's won, I think he's won something like eight grade ones. <laughs> he's a very yeah. he's very capable. He's very capable. So on we go with Jerry, um, greeted with the slightly, um, slightly disappointing, I dare say, post-race um news that we might only see him one more time before Cheltenham. Disappointing um in the sense that we want to see the best horses as often as we can. And we might have hoped to see him uh, certainly twice before Cheltenham, but it looks like we'll see him once, uh, which isn't an, an unusual thing in this day and age. Um, but look at we'll we we'll look forward to seeing him again um, pre Cheltenham. But one gets the impression with the way he shapes and everything we know about him that we more than likely won't see the very very best of him um, until the Gold Cup, which will put. Um, even more emphasis on stamina, etc. But as his owner, Brian Atchison, said, um, while they'll look forward to a set of circumstances that will bring out their the, the very best in their horse, they'll also be confronted with um, the very looming uh, silhouette of Gallop and Deschamps at Cheltenham as well, which will be a pretty formidable one for, for any horse to take on, I, I would speculate. Yeah, TC, the team seemed very happy afterwards in the aftermath in terms of this obviously being a starting point to that road to the Gold Cup. But he's five to one from sixes, so just cut a point for the Gold Cup. But look, being realistic, like if you were team Galloping Deschamps, do you in any way worry by that performance by Jerry? Um I think it's I think it was a good performance in the circumstances. Obviously, the horse is all about stamina, isn't it? We've we've seen these performances and that was, a, I'm led to believe that was a very, very slowly run race uh, at the weekend. So it probably wouldn't have suited his his skill set. So I think he did very well to win there. Um, you'd think, you know, the, the Gold Cup trip is going to be, you know, well up his strata. And you know, the five to one is 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 very, very fair when you when you look at the exchange price. Whenever I look at an anti, I've said it before. Whenever I look at an anti post fixed odds price, I go to check it against the um, uh, I go to check it against the exchange, and the exchange is five point eight to back, six to lay at the moment. So that tells you that the fives, which the top price of the marketplace is, is you know, with the sportsbook, is, is very, very fair. Now I'll, I'll take a positive view of that performance, and just looking down at the horses behind him in the Gold Cup betting, yeah, I probably would have been in a rush to lay fives. Okay, more positive view than I thought I was going to get from UTC. Interesting. Uh, Brendan, let's move on and talk about another older chaser that we saw this week over in Ireland make his comeback, this time off a much longer break. And Alaho back on Thursday, won the Clonmel Oil. A bit of a canter round for him, but great to see him back in action. He never fails to impress, given what a like physical specimen he is. But what do we hope for him this season now, off the back of this long break and that return? 
Well, uh, I, I mean, y y you hope that, that he stays sound. That shouldn't really be an issue. It wasn't like he had a leg injury or anything. It was a very, 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 very unusual. I think one of them said he'd never seen it be be before the issue he had. I mean, what was it again? It was a, 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 a laceration on his spleen or something. It yeah, was, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was so he was he was presenting with, with colic symptoms, but they they went investigating, and yeah, that's that's what they found. And like, I don't think it's completely unheard of, like oh. after like a trauma, like a fall or something like that. But there was no obvious um, like incident prior to this happening. So yeah, it was pretty unusual, I think. Yeah, but, but but the performance itself, his jumping wasn't as foot perfect as it can be, but he's a horse who prefers going left-handed. And we know that when he gets to his beloved Cheltenham left-handed, get out on, on the bunny and just dominate the opposition, that if, if, if he wouldn't even need to get back to the form he showed when he was uh, w w winning those Ryanairs. He could probably run within seven pounds of it and still do it. So I'd say I'd say he's a worthy favour for the race, but I mean he is he is getting on now, so he'd have to put in some performance between this and this and Cheltenham to justify being a really short price in the Ryanair. I wonder would they be tempted by because he's clearly not going to go for the John Durkin. I wonder would they be tempted by that race in Ascot in January um, that they uh, under under sell one at once. I can't oh, yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Uh, so. Oh, Clarence House, yeah, thanks, Tony. I'm, the, I'm, the, 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 the one that Fakir Duderi runs in, the, yeah. the, the Ascot Chase, isn't it? Is that what it's called? Oh, the it, Ascot it, Chase? It, it, the the Betfair Ascot Chase, I dare speculate. There oh, we go. Um, the end. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I need to, I need to, I need to do more research. Yeah, because I was just in, in, in my head thinking, what race are they going to go for between this and Cheltenham? And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of that, but um, clearly a, a, a scandalously talented horse who's proven under the, the conditions at the Cheltenham Festival and... Yeah, if he's if he's within seven pounds of his best, he'll, he'll take some stopping enough. It's a bit slightly uh, slow. I know it's it's very hard national home climate, but is not a, a small bit um, annoying that we don't that we're not talking about him going for the Savile's Chase at Christmas? Um, like like he was brilliant in the Punchestown Gold Cup. Like brilliant. Like he's he absolutely smashed up like Flanders Oboe and. Album photo and Kemboy and those good, you know, really, you know, proper grade one horses, and he hammered them. Like I know there was there was a there was a thought that he didn't get, you know, the, the real staying trips earlier in his life, but um, geez, that would that would kind of fly in the face of that, you know. But it's, it seems like he's going to kind of just carry on down the mid range trip route. Um, but it, it is a pity because, like to, to me, Alaho, um, you know, at his, in his prime, and we don't know if he if he's back to his prime just yet, based on what we saw at Clamel, but. Like definitely one of the most talented horses in training. Yeah, he's, I, like I, 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 he's so good, and he's just definitely not that like X. He's definitely one of those horses with his presence and the way he goes about his races, real X factor stuff. And it feels like you know going down that Ryanair route for another go at that. I don't know. I'm with you, Kev. It's a little bit like unambitious, maybe. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's cover a few of the English horses. We're going to mix between Ireland and the UK. Um, Rubo winning the elite hurdle. Um, pretty straightforward, but I thought maybe a below par race, TC, or am I underestimating him a little bit? He's been introduced to the champion hurdle at 40 to 1 for what it's worth. Yeah, he's actually the shortest price English hurdler uh, behind Constitution Hill. I don't think I'll be in a rush to back him at 40s without Constitution Hill, actually. Um, no, I, 
I think, you know, he's, he's a 150-rated hurdler. Um, they ran to a pound with 140-rated um, Hansard in second. And, you know, he's won by under five lengths and he was gifted five lengths at the start. I mean, it was an absolutely farcical start of the race. Um, you know, he's, he's he's gained more in the first 50 yards than he won by. I don't yeah. know why people don't absolutely kick off more about this. I mean, we had a massive stewards inquiry about the stalls open fractionally late at Epsom earlier in the year. But in national hunt racing, it's all right to be gifted five plus lengths and you win, you win by less than that. Um, I don't know why, like I said, I don't know why there isn't a massive stewards inquiry and people up in arms about it. Um, but no, uh, as for... State man in poem, passe and the likes. Uh, I don't think they've got a, a big rival for second place behind Constitution Hill on, on, on the back of that. For all he's improving, progressive, uh, but no, he's not he's not a grade one horse in my, in my mind at the moment. You, you can understand the bookie's dilemma, though, can't you? Like, what price do you go? I mean, will we get eight runners in a champion hurdle? I suspect. Will you get, will you get five runners? Exactly. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a bad race, and if they've come out and said they're going to take on, you know, uh, Constitution Hill, maybe over in the fighting fearful, maybe in the over in the Christmas hurdle at Kempton. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's 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 a it's a you wouldn't want to be offering a hundred to one plus each way yeah. or two, three of that kind of race. So I, I fully take on board that. I mean, you can only do what he's doing. I suppose he is progressing, but more, much more progression would be needed clearly to be properly in the mix. Um, what about a quick mention to Irish point, Kevin Blake, just if we're talking about hurdlers and that sort of division, uh, he's been cut to 14s from twenties for the stairs hurdle, having won the graded race at down Royal. Where do we think his progression will lie this season? Um, oh God, I don't know. He need to come forward anyway to to you know get into proper you know open company. I know this was open company, but um, proper open company. He he need to find more. Um, like we know he can operate over further. This was a good solid performance. So off magical Zoe, who um, you know, it, it was a match basically on paper, and um, and I thought he was well enough on top of her. Um, one of um, God, a million races. Over the last few days, that that was diminished by um by, by obstacles being omitted, um they only jumped six here, I think, in the end. Um, but look, he 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 was solid. I thought I thought he was holding magical Zoe well. Um, up the run in, um, he was a bit gassy early. I'm sure he'll come on from that and maybe be ready to go up and trip. But um, can he get seriously involved in in great open grade one company? No, it wouldn't be for me now. Oh, okay. All right. Bit of a neggy view on him. Uh, Stay away, Faye. We saw him win on chasing debut, Brendan. Um, Jumped well, but looked beat at one stage. I think it's fair to say at Exeter. Um, But a great attitude. And he's an out-and-out stare, isn't he? I know we like to see them being flashy, but I was almost more taken with that performance, the way he got back up, than I often am with a horse that skips around in front and just sort of doesn't have to do very much. At least he dug deep. Yeah, no, no, I can totally see that. It was a very enjoyable race to watch, actually, because I thought the three main protra- prota- protagonists all jumped particularly well on uh, ch- chasing debut. It, I, I'd say I'd say it was a decent decent race. Stay, stay away, Faye jumped really well. Had to go long at the last, but but came up for Harry Compton and, and grounded out. I mean, it looks when you see the the ten to one for the Brown Advisory. This is the horse who's won an Albert Bartlett. 
uh, very unexposed. I, I think Exeter was only the, the, the fifth run of, of his career, but you could see him, now Nichols isn't afraid to roll the big dice, I know that, but you could see a situation where he goes for the national hunt chase because he's such a dour stare. So yeah. that, that would that, that would be my concern. 10 to 1 looks big about an Albert Barton winner who's clearly a good jumper, uh, but I, it wouldn't shock you if he ended up in the national hunt chase. Yeah, he's 10 to 1, it was unchanged after that victory, which, you know, we know the bookies like to cut their prices for just showing up. So the fact he was unchanged for that, that cut uh, right the way down to eight to one from fourteen in the national hunt chase. So, uh, story checks out with Brendan's angle as well. Sorry, TC, what were you? No, I, I was I the, the thing I watched that I watched that live. Um, yeah. Hit one hundred and thirty and running, and the thing that immediately popped into my head was Scottish national because um, obviously he's half owned by I don't know I'm just spouting, but he's half owned by Chris Charles. is obviously Scottish and. Nichols won that race, I think it was in 2016, with a horse called Vicente as a novice. And everything about that horse just says four miles, doesn't it? I mean, just the way he just come back and got beaten there. I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised to see him roll up as a novice uh, in April. Okay, interesting. Um, interesting early shout. Uh, if we're talking about... Paul Nichols chases, novice chases. Let's throw in Napa's Hill here, who's been cut to 20 to 1 from 33s for the Turners off the back of um, stepping forward dramatically from his chasing debut to his second start. He won the Rising Stars Novices Chase at Wincanton this weekend and seen quite an emotional victory, Kev, for, for Paul Nichols, who was having a very good day, but an important day down at Wincanton for him with Napa's Hill. Yeah, and the colours of, of today, Paul Barber. Um, that, that would know so well a few other partners involved as well but um, one imagines that that's why um, he, he reacted as he did and Shaloka was a lovely performance I thought uh, much better than his initial start over fences um, like he was a bit exuberant early but he flattened out he was he was clever when he needed to be um, tiny bit left um, on occasion but ultimately you know kind of poured it on from three out and, and, and was well on top so um Look, we'll see what the, the British novice chasers, how they shape up in the coming weeks and months. But you'd imagine that this fella is going to be in amongst the, the better ones um, as we go on. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do in trip. We've primarily seen them um, over mid-range and, and back towards two miles. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he goes up in trip at some point. Um, I'd say he'd be well able. And yeah, a nice performance. But certainly a big step in the right direction from Chepstow. Yeah, absolutely. And fair play to Paul, as always. And though he tries to be very honest and open with puns, and he did his Betfair column. And uh, he's very much predicted uh, basically what happened and the step forward Nappers Hill would take and where they might go. And it all went as planned, which, as we know, is very rare in racing, but uh, always worth reading and listening to Paul Nichols' updates on Betfair. Um, quick mention, TC, to that Geo Vinco, is it, for the Lucinda Russell Yard? Obviously, half the fences were omitted in that race, or not quite half, but a lot of them. So it wasn't quite the original test that was on paper, but another staying chaser type for the Russell team again. He's unchanged at 16th for the Brown advisory. Yeah, I mean, went out for mark of 143. Um, just another, just underlines what burgeoning talent, uh, talent Russell's got in her yard. 
and they're just going to go from strength to strength, aren't they? Fully deserved. You know, their, their quality in the yard is improving all the time. And, yeah, looks to have a, a very progressive uh, horse on his hands, uh, on her hands, on their yeah. Their hands, yeah. I mean, the yard, absolutely. I think it's brimming with talent, judging from the sorts of horses they've been picking up at the National Hunt Sales over the last few years, and that's all going to come to fruition now. So, yard on the rise, as you would expect. Um, Brendan, mention to Aintree winner Wes Balboa, the mayor for the Dan Skelton team. She went about her business at Aintree pretty straightforwardly, as her price suggested. She might go for the Betfair Exchange Stayers Hurdle, uh, which is a big pot race on the 25th November at Haydock on Betfair Chase Day. She's now 13 to 2 for that from 10s. Mm. She was lightly campaigned last season. How far do we think she could go this year? Well, it's still it's still an unexposed horse, um, and and Skelton might be tempted. That's a 125 grand race. Uh, mark of a, with the five pound penalty, mark of 147 feet, uh, brewing up a storm, 150 horse on the snap by t- t- 10 lengths. I would be surprised if the handicapper doesn't go higher than 147. I mean, you could definitely make a case for, for 150 for all its early season form and the hurdles uh, were, were omitted. So a form on heavy ground as well, so that wouldn't be a worry uh, if it came up he- heavy in in Haydock. So you could definitely make a case for. I mean, this, this could be a stairs hurdle horse. We you know the stairs hurdle is a very open race and ripe for a changing of the guard. But you know, harm picking up a hundred and twenty-five bag handicap on the way while you can. And and Skelton is very. But Skelton's an interesting trainer. I always think himself and. Harry Fry, both both students of uh, Paul Nichols, but go about it very different ways. Skelton, the chip off the old block in terms of he loves running his horses and them in, in the right races, whereas Fry, uh, well, he, he's much more careful around structure and, and things like that. So I'd I'd say it's a good chance West Bower will will go for the race and would probably go off five if so. Okay. Um, if we're talking about the stairs hurdle, then Kev, we should mention: is it Thelem, the French horse that won yesterday? Uh, there was, I think, three Grade Ones in Autoy yesterday. Uh, loads of good action over there, and Thelem won the stairs hurdle Grade One over there, and they very clearly marked out that that is the plan: the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham with a potential flat run. Did I hear in between? Between now and then, I think he's going to have a relatively quiet campaign but they'll gear him up with a flat run but um he was very impressive at the weekend so i mean he's been cut from nines to sixes for the stairs hurdle so he's a very viable contender coming over from france yeah look it's not the easiest thing to weigh up now because we don't get a lot of um french trained hurdlers popping over these days of course we had one last season that um, that, that made a big impression um on, on his first run in the uk and oh. and it great great to see you know all for it um we we don't you know the, the the old french raiders coming over was a feature of my 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 own early time in uh following racing and it was fantastic and um, we don't get to see it as much now because you know so much money over there basically why would they pop over so um great to see it potentially happening uh like quirky old horse um he's by a horse called sidestep who is a like a sprinter in australia by exceeding excel 
um hasn't had many hurdlers I don't know don't quite know um you'd be a while trying to explain how this fellow came to be what he has what he is but um all the matter uh hasn't slowed him down well it has slowed him down an awful lot actually he's a staying hurdler but um he it's it, it was very impressive um and he has you look back through his form and geez, he's been up around the top notchers there for a while so yeah it'd be great to see him and see where he slots in I don't think um I don't think our French friends would be too intimidated by the current um, landscape in the British and Irish staying hurdling ranks. So yeah, good luck to them. No, exactly. If there's a if there's a if there's a category to target and to come and try and steal, that's definitely it at the moment. Wide open. Um, there's a few other horses we should probably mention, but I mean, if we went through all those bloody graded races in Ireland this weekend, and basically the Jack kind of- bloody graded races. <laughs> what do you want about it? We've got Woodoo there on the running order, Better Days Ahead, Down Memory Lane, any of the, I mean, that wasn't even a graded race, but you know what I mean? Good performances, but like we can't talk about them all day. So does anyone have anything else to add? Brendan, would you like to mention anything else? Well, I would like to mention Brighter Days Ahead, who okay. maintained her, her unbeaten record. Um. Very, very interesting mare. So she was inclined to be keen and her bumpers had, uh, she was st- still a bit uh, free uh, at, at Down Royal and a very indifferent round of jump. And I just think it's interesting how you might look at this. If I was a punter, I'd be thinking, right, when she steps up in grade, I'll take her on. But Gordon Elliott, as the trainer, is probably thinking, well, she's basically been wildly impressive in winning four consecutive races, despite the fact that she's been a bit keen and that she has jumping issues. Well, I am a master trainer. I can iron these out. The sky's the limit. All I need to do is get her to settle and get her to jump, and we're away in a hack. So it'd be very interesting to see uh, what, what happens there. And I would, just, I, I would just like to sow a little worm, a little worm into the mind of our, the race planner for this Cossack Jack who went down narrowly to, to, to Woodhoop, but put in a spectacular round of jumping on only his second start. So far. I'm so unlucky, just lost his hind legs at the back of the second last. Now, Woodhoop won by a neck at one to four. Cossack Jack was four to one. So if they meet again, for example, the juvenile hurdle on bar one weekend, I'm just putting it out there. Woodhoop would clearly have to be fab again, but I think I would like to wager on Cossack Jack turning that form around so i'm just saying there's maybe someone we know who could make that happen <laughs> just, just just i'm just saying you know come on kev do your work yeah sure look it'll be it'll be the obvious thing to do um last season joseph wasn't afraid to go to the uk with the juveniles either but i'd agree he, he ran really well and something you have to consider i suppose when you're watching the race it was a fair old horse race geez the two of them engaged from an awful mm. long way out and right, uh, it was nip and tuck the whole way. One thing I'd point out is like, they do have somewhat different profiles in that um, Wadu did get plenty of experience on the flat, whereas Cossack Chak is, is like a, a very big raw horse that got one like spin around on the flat before he went hurdling. So you'd like to think there would be good natural improvement there. I thought there was good step forward from his first start to the second in terms of his jumping and um and yeah, hopefully he can he can drive on and, and continue to progress whether that's banging heads with a will do again a fairy house or, or perhaps going for a spin across the sea. Time will tell. But I'd say your um your hoped outcome, Brendan, is probably trading a shade of odds on at the moment. Oh, there you go. Happy days, Brendan. Uh, TC, before we move on to the news section where we do have plenty to discuss this week, loads of topics, do you have anything else in the UK you would like to mention? Uh, we Not further? the UK, but we probably should mention Ile France, won another grade one. Yeah. Uh, talking about Faleem earlier, Faleem's 
won the race that Ile France's only defeat over obstacles has, has come in so far. So it sounds like they're going to go for the Corto Star over Christmas. Um, obviously, it's getting rave reviews in France, Ile France. And, he, and Nichols also mentioned uh, Corto Star as a possible uh, target for Napa's Hill as well. So maybe Napa's could go up against the best of the French at uh, Boxing and, bo- and Boxing Day at Kempton. That would add a bit of spice to proceedings. We like that. And I think on that note, we will move on then to our news section. But before we go any further, it is Safer Gambling Week. And so here is a message from the team at Betfair. At Betfair, we're all about owning your game. So for Safer Gambling Week 2023, why not try out our handy online toolkit that really puts you in the driving seat and helps you stay on top of how much time and money you spend playing. It's no faff. You can easily add our tools to your account anytime you like, because it's always good to buckle up before you bet. Okay, let's crack on with our news section and we will start loads of different news pieces to get through. But let's start no order of importance, but we will kick off with the Milton Harris suspension. Uh, Trainer Milton Harris has had his license suspended. The BHA statement that was released this week read as follows. Following a hearing from the chairperson of the independent judicial panel of the BHA, Mr. Harris's license has been suspended pending a licensing committee hearing in January. This is a result of a breach of the conditions on his license and related matters. Um Kev, I'll start with you here. We're very much in the dark, really. That's all the information we have, the official information we have. Obviously, as with all things in 2023, a lot of rumours swirling around, specifically on social media, on Twitter. Um, But we are not going to read too much into those. But we have very little information at the moment. So what happens next? And how come we have to wait until January for anything anything more to happen? I don't know. It's a quick answer. Um, there's something clearly going on, something serious. Um, it's been investigated, and I'm sure. Look, we we're not going to go down the, the realm of, of repeating rumor um, because the old the old court of WhatsApp has been proven to be off the mark plenty of times in the past. But um, yeah, it sounds pretty concerning, um, and let, let's uh, let's um, let's be responsible here and wait until we get actual detail and um, and the facts of the matter before um, before commenting further would be my default position in a case like this. Yeah, very much mine too. Um, But TC, just, I mean, given everything Kev's just said and that we, you know, there isn't a huge amount more we can really say because with little information, Mm. but with his license suspended, will this be a situation where another trainer takes the license over as we have seen in the past and the horses will be, kept at the same yard but running under a different name or do we expect that to happen that angle to happen yeah because in these circumstances um you know the kind of like it's a business operation employs a lot of staff uh in these yeah. circumstances it's um i don't know what's happening over in ireland um with that situation over there that's gone to appeal um coma was it uh, i don't know what's happening yeah i think the, i think the appeal has been heard in january yeah. I'm remember. assuming the the stable what his business as usual as well, and and even yeah, and even if he's suspended afterwards, I mean someone's primed to go in there. And look, it's obviously he's quite a colourful character, isn't he? And um, it's a matter of fact that someone, an ex stable employee, went on there and made allegations about you know he's not he you know about uh, 
his attitude towards stable staff. It's something very serious has clearly happened uh, for you know, for that you know for the license to be suspended until January or whatever. But uh, I did ask around, and the only person I could get on the record about this uh, was uh, I have never met the man. I've never seen or heard of him. Uh, and that was from Belinda Carlisle. So uh, that's the only person who would go on the record about that. Right. That's a joke. Okay. Box, but yeah. <laughs> that's like... not true, with Belinda or Milton. So you can cut that out if you want. TC. I thought you were going to give us a, uh, yeah, that was totally over my head. I thought you were going to give us a genuine quote there. I was like, listening, listening. Uh, Basically, nobody knows what's going on. As Kevin's right. I mean, we can all speculate, but obviously it got quite a lot of, about two or three months ago, that that comment for an ex-stable employee got a lot of traction on, on Twitter and social media. Whether it's true or not, we don't know, but something clearly very serious has happened there for for them to do what they have done we don't know and you know it's uh more to come on that one no doubt we will be discussing that in january when the committee hearing takes place uh brendan let's move on to another case this time over in ireland with the trainer mm. dennis hogan Dennis Hogan has been cleared of all charges after the committee was unable to adjudicate due to the IHRB's decision not to present evidence relating to the running of Yufton at Dundalk in March 2020 after the referrals committee found unable to adjudicate on the substance of the charges due to the decision of the IHRB's not to present evidence. So Dennis cleared. Yeah. Life moves on. He will obviously be hugely relieved, but mm-hmm. can't help but feel that there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of time, and water has gone under the bridge, and then they just gave up. Is that well? Yes, they they they, they are clearly believers in the sunken cost fallacy. Which they know that the sunken cost fallacy is a dangerous thing. So uh, cut your losses, but the losses will be significant as you mentioned in terms of man man hours and money and i personally think they should have gone ahead with the case knowing they were going to lose it now i know that sounds ridiculous but what's happened here is from my understanding is that the vet on the day said the horse came back lame and it's kind of like if the horse comes back lame well then what can you say it underperformed well of course it underperformed it was lame no one has anything more to say there's no case to answer but the, then the IHRB seems to have proceeded under uh, the notion that the vet was going to then turn around and say, no, no, I made a mistake on the day, which the vet did not do. The vet stuck to his guns quite rightly. I saw the horse was lame. I put it in the report. The horse was lame. I'm, I'm, I'm not backing down on this. They then, three and a half years later, realized, oh, well, OK, well, if the horse was lame, it couldn't possibly have uh, performed uh, to, to its ability. So we can't prosecute this case. But haven't spent all that time on money they did have apparently again this is speculation to agree but some very interesting things about the murky world of international gambling and computers being being, being used but being able to, to trace ip addresses that there is definitely there was something smelly about this case now dennis has been cleared the horse was lame 
Uh, you're right. We, 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 we have to move on. The man's uh, record is different. There were some very interesting betting patterns around the horse. And I would have prosecuted the case. No one were going to lose, which granted would have cost more money in legal fees. But just to get the report out there so people could read it and just get a sense of what's what's going on uh, in, in, in the world of gambling and how pe- people are connected around the world. Yeah, I mean, Kev, you might do. Do you know any more details, or do you have anything else that isn't already in the public domain to add to what we already know about, about this case, and as to why it's just fallen off the edge of a cliff in such a way? Um, no, no. <laughs> Look, there's there's a huge black hole here, isn't there, in terms of lack of transparency. You know, there there is some irony for the IHRB almost pleading for transparency in the statement they put out last week in in their um in 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 their feeling that the referrals committee should give a verdict, even though the IHRB weren't going to give any evidence, and yet the referrals committee did in the end. But you know, was, was, this this is utterly bizarre. Um, I don't think we've at all heard the end of it. Um, we've seen the IHRB getting some very heavy scrutiny from the Public Accounts Committee um, over a number of matters, some very much still pending. Um, there's clearly people in political circles there that are that, that are keen to fire arrows at the IHRB, and I'd imagine they'll have a basket full of arrows um, based on what's transpired here. Uh, what went wrong? Three and a half years. Um, I can, I yeah, you like... get you, 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 all the money that was spent, and you know, in turn, I got with, with Brendan, you know, gave the view that you know, why didn't they just kick on even if they knew they're on a beating? Um, like, because all the money's already been spent, you know, the, the, I think the referral was scheduled for a couple of days, you know, you're not, you're, you're not going to have to add much more chips to the already swollen pot to uh, to bring this thing to its conclusion in terms of costs. So, there must have been something some major hole in their case to 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 make them pull the plug on it at this point um like the the, the lameness of yufta and like is an interesting question because um like my thought on it at the time and i wrote as much was that really the the, the post-race lameness of the horse should be irrelevant and um, because it, it, the lameness in my assessment of these things, trying to be as objective as I can, the lameness is surely only relevant if it was a case where the jockey was judged not to a given maximum effort. Because if the horse then comes back lame, the jockey can rightfully put his hand up and say, hey, lads, the horse didn't feel right. And the post-race lameness justifies that. And clearly there's no case. But uh, we all saw the race. Um, the, the, the jockey was at his most vigorous in the final furlong. So I don't think he could... He could look anyone in the eye and say, I didn't feel the horse was right, um, would be my view on it. So to me, the lameness was never really a relevant point. And, um, sure and clearly that, did- that story also surely checks out because the horse was lame after the race. They had that information from the beginning of the investigation. So how yeah. three and a half years on that be the reason to give up on it when it's- you knew that on day one? Now, well, one, one point that could be potentially a factor is... Like I'm sure someone could delve back into the into the history of IHRB running and riding um, inquiries and where maybe lameness was was used as mitigation and was accepted as mitigation. Maybe that's a factor. But again, that that's something that should 
if it was purely we're in the realm of speculation now but surely that is something that would have popped up pretty early in proceedings and we're so far down the road and as mentioned you know the the book of evidence here was um reportedly ran to over 400 pages in length like this 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 you know any 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 potential gaping loophole you know should have been pinpointed years ago I dare say so. Look, I like everyone else. I'm I'm curious to what went on here. Really curious. Um, a lot of other people will be as well. Um, and I suppose to wrap up, will we ever get answers to these these queries and these curiosities? I I, I don't know. I couldn't wouldn't rely on the, the IHRB to to open their books and say here's what happened. I don't think that's going to happen. The lameness to me is crucial to this. Surely, um, I I don't get the idea that the lameness sometimes exonerates anybody or is an explanation because the whole idea of this case being brought is there are substantial betting patterns before the race. And if you have two horses in the same ownership from the same trainer, really flip-flopping to, to a massive degree, far more than you know the rating su suggests should have been happening, now, surely the post-race layman is central to this cases because surely it somebody must have been in possession of the fact that what should have been the favourite is not right. So therefore the lameness is directly relevant to what's gone on here. That in fact that I don't I don't think they'd have sent the horse out if they if they thought it was well, wrong. So someone well, would, well, well, the, someone, the other thing is that there, there would there would be the term yeah. like, was not going to run. Would, there, well, well, there would be pre-race scrutiny of the horse. In fairness, yeah. you see, like you, you wouldn't have if the horse was lame in the parading beforehand. He wouldn't be allowed to run. You know, by the by the independent veterinary and staff. They it up on rival, aren't they? Like you, don't you? Yeah, like the the, the, the trot ups can be pretty. But someone, someone can be, can be pretty tough. Wasn't gonna wasn't gonna run to its its rating level or anywhere near it. It was a it was a it was a. I think I when I we talked about it recently, I think it was like off memory, it was like 18 on the exchange bar bar the two. So for me, I'd I'd have liked to have, you know, I would like to see the tracking of what happened pre-race about was the horse inspected because of the betting patterns, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And like Brendan said, if you took the case to court, you would have heard all of the kind of like you know, the lameness trail and the pre-race treks on the horses, etc. because obviously this was massively flagged up in the betting beforehand. So for me, the lameness is what I want to hear more about in this case. It shouldn't be a reason to push the case to one side and, and not prosecute it. I'd, I'd say I'd have said the exact opposite. Well, I don't know. I was about to say more to come, but I don't know if there even will be more to come on this particular case because it just feels like we've jumped off a cliff edge and that might be the end of it. Um, but it does feel, as Brendan and Kev has said, well, everyone said really, that there's a black hole of information missing and um, it's not really good enough, is it? specifically when something's taken up a huge amount of time and money. But uh, anyway, we move on, we move on, and we move on to a new story that is developing today. And TC, we will pick 
you up on this Harry Bentley case. Uh, he has been given a pretty substantial fine of uh, £32,000 after pleading guilty for improper conduct in Hong Kong. He also has a two-month suspension. This is basically he's been giving information to someone that he shouldn't have been doing. Obviously, Hong Kong notoriously tough on this sort of thing and um, rigorously sort of have an eye over their jockeys over there. So it's pretty surprising that Harry has even attempted to push the boundaries and he pleaded guilty and he's got away with two months and that hefty fine. What more can you add to this story, TC? I asked somebody who's been well kind of like versed in the Hong Kong scene, the betting scene, as well as the, you know, the jockeys are known and the, and the racing scene as a whole over the weekend. And so I got some background on it. Um, probably shouldn't be going into that kind of detail now because we, you know, the Hong Kong Jockey Club have come out and and fined him three hundred thousand Hong Kong dollars. Like you said, he's just under thirty two grand and, and suspended him till January the third. I spoke to the person who gave me that information afterwards this morning, and he reckons, given what's come out, he said that is what he's got away with. There is is not is not harsh at all um given what was given what was presented in the hearing um i think he's got off quite lightly uh because you know you're talking about you know agreeing payment to to third parties who've got nothing to do with horses um i'm i could i probably say it in very loose terms but apparently this is all linked to a a british based paddock watcher who was doing that uh, for a very large betting syndicate. So in all of these things, for we know how the Hong Kong Jockey Club come down on any impropriety at all. Did Sylvester D'Souza get 12 months for very, very little recently? Yeah. There was a fella, there was a fella actually a few weeks ago, got, I think it was a six-week ban. Oh, yeah, for dead heating. Yeah. <laughs> and they gave him six weeks for not winning the race. Uh, yeah. All, I mean, I'm led to believe that what could have come out didn't come out because it was inadmissible. So it could well be that the Hong Kong Jockey Club went as hard as they could. But even, even you know, you know, they are, you know, they are really kind of like draconian on any interaction, anything to do with that affects com the punter's confidence in betting over there. A ton of bricks. So, like I said, the person who gave me a lot of a lot of kind of like behind the scenes intel on this over the weekend he was very very surprised um he like i said he he got in touch with various people after the hearing um and he was very surprised that he only got you know a 31 and a half grand fine and suspended till january the 3rd because in our terms obviously that's not a great deal of meetings is it because they only race twice a week over there don't they so it's not like you know Kev, what are you laughing at over there <laughs> No, I just, I just had a thought in my head. Imagine what the, imagine what the Hong Kong Jockey Club would made of what happened that night in Dundalk. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I knew that was the link you made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone who was there would be chucked out that day. Bring, bring, um, bring back, bring back the birch. Yeah, but I mean, you kind of feel, you kind of feel like uh, he, he, he has got got away with it, given the punishment, Scott. I don't mind the Hong Kong the Hong Kong authorities because it's a bit like a stupidity tax isn't it it's a bit like your man 
the Brentford footballer who was done, he was suspended for six months for betting on football. Now, he wasn't doing anything sinister. I think he was just doing that. But you just kind of think, you're getting so well paid as a Premier League footballer. You're getting so well paid as a jockey out in Hong Kong. Why would you take any chances? So I don't, I don't hate stupidity taxes. It's, it's, it it's just disappointing <laughs> that the paddock watchers spoofers over there are getting big. Yeah, the name of yes, I, I. Yeah, On the yeah, basis yeah. that it was a UK, you mentioned yeah. the UK-based paddock watcher. I was relieved because if if, if it was an Irish-based paddock watcher, then I'd be worried. <laughs> I, 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 think, well, I, think well, the, I think he was a paddock. The paddock watcher over there, who was British, was feeding back into a large betting syndicate, allegedly. Right. Well, why um, haven't these betting syndicates got in touch with me, Tony? I've obviously got mad skills. We've established um, that. So we can position skills. you in Hong Kong for a year. It'll be, yeah, yeah. It'll be very good, Brendan. Mad <laughs> skills. Um, let's move on because we've got three other topics to discuss. Actually, we'll add a fourth in with the August Road and News. So, Kev, we'll come to you for Low Sun. You mentioned it earlier. It's only rightful, I think, that as a result, we come to you for this one at Aintree, specifically this uh, weekend, the decision left so late to omit a load of fences in the Grand Sefton and other races. Uh, we only find out just before that that's going to happen, despite the fact that the sun has been out all day. I don't know if it's because they want to give the race the best chance or what's going on, but I know it's a, it seems to be a particular gripe of Richard Hoyles on ITV Racing. Uh, he often picks this up, that punters are left with this decision till right just before the off. Um, I mean, is it is this getting worse? This is getting worse, isn't it? The low sun situation. Well, the sun isn't getting worse, but the the, the amount of obstacles being omitted um, is, I dare, I, I dare speculate. And I'm not sure, as I, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, we need to acknowledge that um, this isn't the way every jumps racing jurisdiction deals with this issue. They do not omit obstacles in France ever for low sun. And the world manages to keep turning, and there's not carnage um, every every time the sun comes out. Um, like it's it's so deeply unsatisfactory on a number of fronts. You know, from a from a punter's point of view, clearly you're you're getting you're, you know people have had bets and contests that change can change massively in character um, right before the off. Like these bits of form go into the form book. Not everyone will be aware of the of the context. Um, and it's just deeply unsatisfactory, you know. Is it could, could they use a bit more wiggle? Could they put the bumpers in the mid, in the middle of the car that the, the you know when the sun is out of whatever trajectory? I don't know, but I don't I don't feel like we'll end up in the fullness of time where we are now because I don't think you're dealing with this in, in the best possible way now. Um, what's the solution? Well, there are a number of solutions. Um, again, as I've said before, it's easy for me or you or anyone else who isn't on the horse's backs to say that we can surely do better with this, but um, it, it, it feels really messy. And I suspect that um, it, yeah, we're, we're not there yet, Harry. We, we need to do better with this stuff. A question for Brendan now, I think, more than me, because I don't use cash-out options, and I don't even know whether cash-out options are available on race-by-race basis. But oh, one option, yeah. everyone just said, well, if I knew this, I, if I knew this, I wouldn't back a horse. If they, if I knew this, I wouldn't. I'd want to void my bet. Now, I don't think that's ever going to be an option. But obviously, with if a cash out option was available, wonder whether you know, you know, the bookmakers can make it more palatable by taking out their margin on that cash out element. Whereby I know everybody, 
you know, if they backed something at sixes and it was trading at 25s, which happens quite a lot these days, now obviously everyone would, would want to void their bet. But I think with the cash out, if the cash out option is available, once they know the all the options are going to be omitted and bookmakers took out what can be occasionally a very chunky margin for that cash out facility, whether or not that could be an option for people moaning about, oh, if I knew that, I'd be able to cash out. Now, if they could, the cash, out, they could the cash out in a very punter-friendly manner, that yeah, might be one that, option. That's, I, I think that's the absolute uh, shout at the shout. You, you should be working in a bookies marketing department. I should be working <laughs> as a paddock judge in Hong Kong. So we just, <laughs> you, should be, you should be working yeah, full yeah, stop. Well, give, yeah, given that it's so high high profile and uh, it seems to be happening week in, week out, and it is a gripe for punters, um, well, I don't know how much of a ball ache it would be for the bookies. They usually take about 10% on cash out is a figure I have in my head. I don't yes. know. But they could say, we'll, we'll, if you decide to cash out in a low sun rate, we'll reimburse you. Would it be would it be a lot of work? It'd go it'd get a lot of goodwill, and I'd say it'd get a lot of traction in terms of publicity. It might be something for the bookies to think about. So and and also good. it would highlight that the cashier option is available. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That could be win-win on a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Bumpers. Before, I love bumpers. I just run them all as bumpers. Three mile <laughs> bumpers. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, let's talk about Frankie, Frankie in the in the jungle. Um, although actually, <laughs> go straight to TC for this. <laughs> here, we, here we go, Frankie. Here we go, TC. Uh, Frankie the Tory is entering the jungle. Um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. ITV's prime time reality jungle show. Um, he is amongst a load of what I can only describe as Z-list celebrities. I literally know people who live in my village who have more, like, are more famous than the people on this list. But anyway, um, he is about 13 to 2, third, third favourite, I think, to win it, maybe even shorter. Um, so we've gone from retirement Frankie to comeback Frankie to I'm a celebrity Frankie. TC, I'm sure you'll be tuning in every night to see the real Frankie the Tory eat some spiders. Revved for it. I can tell you, you're revved for it. I'm a celebrity. Yeah, out here. I couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking here, Vanessa. Do you notice that they're going to be the 23rd season of I'm a celebrity kept me out of here? My Best God. Way. Wow. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's obviously a popular show. Frankie's out there. He's he's beloved uh, ra ra racing figure. Uh, again, he's he's just good for brand racing, isn't he? I mean, he's obviously getting a few quid. We know he likes money or whatever. But who cares what his motivations are? He's just doing good works for racing, left, right, and centre. No, everyone knows he's behind the scenes. Everyone knows he's a tetchy little fucker. So it, it might come out when he, you know. But one thing, oh, yeah, 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 he's yeah, used yeah. to not eating, isn't he? So he well, might, I, uh, might win on that. I assume that show is the, they, they film them for 24 hours and edit it down to an hour. Is it every day or every week? Every day, yeah. every day, every, every day. Every, so, they, so they edit it down to an hour, but I'd imagine with agents and these high profile people, if something did come out that didn't look good for Brand Frankie, they'd probably cut it out for him, would they? I don't no, think, on the contrary, they'll keep it in. Yeah, I'm oh, not sure okay. that they have that sort of sway. I'd say once you're in, you're in. Um, All right. okay. It will be very interesting to see how it plays out. <laughs> 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 not that, 
I think people, I don't know. I think like, like, do, 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 do people not recall Frankie's time in the Big Brother house? Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. And yeah, like, well, he I, basically was, was extremely dull and moody. It didn't last very long. Oh, <laughs> when was that though? What year was that? Oh, I don't know. God, it was 10 plus years ago, I'd say. I know it was. Uh, he was still. That you know, was yeah, he's Pope Ben. Hold on. I, don't, I might actually. Hold on. I'll, I'll have a look here. I was going to uh, say, what, it was me being allowed to watch TV without my parental guidance. It was that long ago. So he no, was on Big remember. Brother 11. What year do we think Big Brother 11 was? That was 2013, 10 years ago. There you go. Oh. 10 years ago. Okay, I was allowed to. Yeah. Watch how, how, how long did he last? Ah, he was the fifth one out. Who else was in that year? Ryland Clark won it. There you go. We all Ryland, know Ryland yeah, Clark, don't we? Razor, Razor Ruddock. Razor Ruddock outlasted Frankie the Tory, and I genuinely haven't heard of anyone else. Did, no. Have you heard of anyone else on going into the jungle with him? Do you know anyone else? I, I think I, I think I did. I'll have to get a list up here. Yeah, now, you but, know. Uh, I, I, Nigel I, I did. Oh yeah. Oh Farage. Yeah. No, I did. I, I knew the maybe. I, I knew maybe the top three or four, but I was struggling thereafter. Oh. I think. It's a fickle um, world, the celebrity world. I, I think about this. So it's, it sort of ties I can't believe in. we're talking about this. And it sort of ties <laughs> in. I like. I, I worry myself. Obviously, I've got a fallback on the the paddock judging, but I worry. Of course, I'm a celebrity myself, a prominent racing figure, and I have to have the the curtain drawn here for fear that the low winter sun is at a different angle in the sky and it could blind you, and I could get fine lines around my eyes. That could be the end of my career. The only reason I get these gigs is for the ladies tuning in to have a look at me obs. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fickle world. People could look back on racing podcasts in 10 years. Go, Brendan Duke, I have half a record. Tough game. Tough game, this. It's a tough oh, game. No. Oh, here we go. I have, I have the betting up here in front of me now. Go Josie on. Gibson. No idea. Fred. Fred. Fred Siriex, Siriu, don't no know. Idea. Sam Thompson, no yeah. Farage, no, no Farage. Tony Bellew, the boxer, no him. Jamie Lynn Spears, I believe, is Britney Spears' sister. And um, I told you, probably not trying to be smart. I genuinely have never heard of anyone else. No, me neither. Nella Rose, Martin Humes, Danielle Harold. Let's uh, do. Whilst we've still got time, let's do affordability checks petition because that is a slight change of pace. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> you yeah. don't get this any place else other than weighed in. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Just bouncing around, bouncing around. Uh, we need 100,000 signatures. Obviously, this has been discussed plenty. Um, and we are struggling to get that, really. We're at about 85,000, are we, TC, as we speak now, I think. So is this because hunters <laughs> aren't really that concerned or is it badly advertised or what's going on? They've been pushing it everywhere. Every every Twitter account's been pushing it. Yeah, but again, TC, you seem to think that the world like is Twitter. No, but, but no, but no, but on, like, on the racing post are coming out of it thrice daily. Um, courses are pushing it on course. I think fake. I read fake, and them are doing it on course today. We've got the second most watched spectator sport in the country, and I think we're struggling on less than eighty three thousand. The thing about these petitions are when they go right, they're great. Yeah. When they don't hit a certain level, they're counterproductive because the government are looking at this and thinking, you're a massive sport. You employ tens of hundreds of thousands in various guises and you and you can't even hit the 100 grand trigger for actually kind of like even considering uh, a debate in parliament about this. They might look at that and just think, 
is it that big a deal if if yeah. if, if we're making i mean obviously the racing post have been pushing this and they've actually got two people to do an article in their span while they've been doing this that i cannot believe they actually put up because these the two people i won't name them but including there was one very recently as well they are literally two people that these affordability checks were actually designed to actually help identify and help full stop so i just think it's like i said when these petitions go well great i mean if we'd have hit 100 two three hundred thousands that's a real momentum but when you don't even hit the 100 grand trigger which is look, looking odds against at the moment because it's being pushed for the last two or three weeks, isn't it? Um, they can, like I said, they can be counterproductive. And I just hope that isn't the case here. The government might look at that. I mean, the government today, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, the, the, this this government is in free fall. Free fall. Panic stations over there. But like you say, I hope this doesn't go the wrong way for us. Last word, Brendan Duke, to you on the news that came through today, the much welcome news that August Rodan is going to stay in training for 2024. Yeah. How great is that? And that must have been a very big price to have been the case. I was fearful it was goodbye to him. But we're already suddenly talking about him as an older horse next year and a dirt campaign at the Breeders' well, a dirt race at the Breeders' Cup even still being touted around. This is unbelievable. Well, 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 well why not? I mean, I, I, I feel like Aiden. Aiden, of course, is a, is a master trader. Wouldn't have a bad word to say about him, but he's also a, ma a master of publicity for those little speech bubbles they put up. And the speech bubble on August Rodin, I thought, knew for 2024 was Aiden O'Brien saying, yeah, we won the Breeders' Cup turf, but I ran him in the wrong race, you know, just teasing everyone. Because <laughs> I don't think I don't think Aiden expected him to stay in training. I thought it was, it was like Paddington. He knows how important he is to the breed. He brings in that Japanese angle, uh, one over a mile as a two-year-old. I mean, there are lots of... I would say there's more reason to retire him to stud than there was Ace Impact. Uh, so I'm, I'm 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 blown away by it. The lads must be going soft in their old age, which is great. Uh, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to see. Do we do we realistically think they'd risk him on dirt? I mean, you could make a case on his on his pedigree that he that he handle it. <laughs> I was I was saying this to to um, Vanessa earlier. I mean, the, the the two best performances for his career the longevity perspective is those defeats in the guineas in the king george because if it if it had won both of those what price would it have been to you know to continue being in training i'd think it'd been a very very big price but the fact is he's got two big defeats on his dance card maybe they just think you know let's roll the dice at four when i'd say i'd say a factor if i had to if i had to speculate as as to uh to um an aspect of this that led that helped lead to this decision is is that Paddington Little Big Bear are retiring next year. Um yeah. new sires both going to both going to May and Fireman Feather. Like they they'll have they'll have an you know there's it's the the market for first season stallions is big but it's not never ending like so spreading them out like you would you wouldn't God I don't know if there's ever been a time when three really big ones have, have all retired at the one time um, like two would be a little bit unusual, so I'd say that might there might be an element of that in the mix as well. Um, yeah. but look, sure, whatever whatever the reasoning isn't it great, you know, it's, it's going to be a real focus point for the flat season. Just very quick, you mentioned Paddington, the little big bear. Would August Rodan be a multiple? What he, what he could actually kind of like, um, you know, get as as a stallion? Would he be a multiple of those two? Would he be? Oh no, 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 not at all. I'd say not at all. Wouldn't he? He'd go in around um, fifty grand, would he? 
What was that? Oh. Paddington, Paddington's what, 55? Um, oh, right, they announced okay. that the he other day. So the same, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'd be in, they'd be in a, a similar neck of the woods, different different types and all that, but um, they're similar neck of the woods, I'd say. And it should look if um, Augusto Rodin can go on and, and build himself now. Um, he's, already, he's, got, he's got a fair old foundation in place now with his, with it, with his yeah. CV, so if he can go on and um, put a real stamp on it as a four-year-old, um, yeah, should that, it'd, be, it'd be that neck of the woods again. Um, bring something a bit different, being by Deep Impact, obviously, so... Yeah, on we go in the dirt. Yeah, sure. Look, it'd be it'd be it's nice to think about it. Would it happen? Who knows? But he he is um, a grandson of Sunday Silence, um, so you, you you never know, as the man says. But it's a fun thought. It's a fun thought, and on that note, we are saying goodbye. Rufus is going to have his bollocks off later, guys. So it's a big oh. day, for the young lad. Everyone. Oh. Those watching, the time has would come. You, would, 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 would you not want to retire to start at some stage? He is his temperament has become an issue. He is not retired. Uh, stud. So. Is that not a, is that not a management issue though, Vanessa? Like it's just you. You're saying you can't manage him. You can't manage the room. Potentially, yeah, potentially. <laughs> but on that note, uh, it is a goodbye from us. And of course, I'm going to make a Milton Harris another Milton Harris joke then, but I won't. Please don't. Please don't, because the original one went straight over my head. Um, on that note, guys, to you three, thank you very much, as always, to listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for joining us. And, of course, our final thoughts are with Graham Lee. We very much hope we will have a more positive update on him later in the week. But for now, have a good one. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. But it is goodbye from us. <laughs>